0: Hello, and it's good to have the theme tune back. Thanks for that, Luke. Uh, Luke can't join us today. He's busy doing other things, but we've got uh, three of us that are regularly on and an absolute grand total of zero guests. So me, Joe and Dickie are going to thrash this one out between us. A very good afternoon to you, Joe Pope.
1: Yeah, good afternoon. Um, Yeah, another game and another weekend without a win. Um, And luckily, I can't be relegated off the pod this year. Um, I'm still around to uh, give my insight.
0: You're still here, mate. Another point. We'll come to that in a bit. Uh, And uh, welcome again to Dickie, Dickie Wharton.
2: Good afternoon. Um, Good to see you. I I can't even claim that I will still be in the National League Um, (laughs) if Telfer get relegated, when Telfer get relegated. So uh, Joe's gone one up on me there.
0: We've had a little chat within the group and we think that Dickie is just about of good enough quality to stay in the National League next year himself, <laughs> even, if his, even if his team goes down. So uh, we're hoping Dickie will very much be part of this podcast next season as well. Um, but uh, let's crack on with the action. A quick look back to midweek when uh, uh, it was a, a a good week for uh, Notts County, who got the job done against an in-form Eastleigh side Langstaff on the score sheet again, but outscored on this occasion by his teammate Ruben Rodriguez, who got a couple. But nevertheless, a really good win for Notts County, who closed the gap on Wrexham at the top, Um, given that uh, Wrexham themselves didn't have a game. There was also um, a continuation of a good run for Chesterfield, who were pushing hard for that third place again. They won 4-0 at Wheelstone, who, um, at the moment, Joe... And we'll come to their Saturday game in just a bit. But they only seem to be able to win big or lose big right now, don't they?
1: <laughs> yeah, it seems that way. Um, but I think Paul Cook will be pleased with the improvement of late. Um Clough on the target in midweek. So was Paul McCallum. Um, and it looks like his little flurry of signings sort of mid-season um, or three quarters of the season um, looks to have uh, got them back on the right track. Another game perhaps
0: notable of mention in the week was Solihull Moores continuing their uh, pick-up in form, beating Scunthorpe United 3-1. And Josh Kelly is really beginning to thrive on the fact that now he knows he's his first choice up top um, and he got a couple of goals in that. And there was also for Joe Sabara, who's uh, in double figures again this season. Well done, Joe Sabara. He's one of uh, many players we might crop up during the podcast today that we'll mention who uh, are due to be meeting up with the England Sea squad um, around about now as we record this podcast for Tuesday evening's uh, International Against Wales. More on that towards the end of the podcast. And, uh, you know, one or two little rumours flying around about who's who's made the squad, who might not be part of the squad, who may have come in. We'll cover that in a little while. But um, on to Saturday's action in the National League. And, uh, well, the pendulum has swum. A little bit back towards Wrexham after Saturday's results. Let's start with them. They had a tricky looking encounter, didn't they, uh, Joe? Away at Bromley, Bromley, who of course had beaten them in the uh, um, FA Trophy final last year, um, and we're always going to provide stiff opposition. But Wrexham got uh, they they got it done again, and it was a familiar name on the score sheet.
1: Yeah, another two goals for Paul Mullin. Um, and as you said, they just seem to keep finding a way to win games. Um, many have said that Notts County are the best footballing side, um, but I saw someone on Twitter yesterday said that Wrexham are the most efficient side. And you'd probably have to agree um, at the moment, another win for them. And it seems like this run in is a case of whatever you can do, I can do better From Wrexham. You know, Notts County went, to, or Notts County played Dagenham, Wrexham then played them, Wrexham won. Notts County struggled against Bromley. Wrexham went to Bromley and they won. So, um, yeah, a good win for them. Many have said that the title is now over. Um, Some disappointed Notts fans, but uh, certainly far from over. But a good win for Wrexham on the road.
0: Yeah, I'd I'd concur. That one's going to run and run. And for the last two or three weeks, Wrexham, of course, points-wise, games in hand, whatever, have been favourites. Uh, an excellent win for them. Cheek did pull a goal back and there was still time for Bromley get to get back into it and get themselves a point, but uh, they couldn't get that one across the line. Meanwhile, Notts County had a, a difficult-looking game as well uh, down in uh, London also, uh, away at uh, Barnet. And everything looked to be business as usual as Macaulay Langstaff netted again uh, in the 42nd minute. And Notts County were just probably... Uh, preparing to go and sit in and have a nice, comfortable half-time team talk with Luke Williams, but it didn't happen because right on half-time, Idy scored again. He's in a rich scoring vein now. It's his eighth goal uh, of the season uh, for Barnett and his most prolific season in in, in his professional career as well. Um, and Dean Brennan will be pleased with that point because it sort of cements uh, Barnet's position in the playoffs, Joe. Keeps them ahead of Eastleigh, who we'll come to in a bit, um, but uh, that would be a blow for Notts County to not be able to find a way in the second half to uh, to get the three points there.
1: Yeah, I mean, listening to Luke Williams's interview after the game, he said that the, he actually thought the second half performance was really poor um, and he said that they played really well in the first half but just couldn't get it done um, and to obviously concede on half-time, give Sparnett a little bit of confidence. Um, as you said, for Brennan, it's a good point. And I said in my preview going into the weekend that it perhaps gives Barnett a little bit of a precursor as to what they could face in the playoffs if they have to go, you know, if, if they have to face Knotts County. Um, so they'll be pleased um, with a point, um, a useful point on the road for Knotts County. But, you know, the, the fine margins, they could uh, see that uh, for them fall off from the title. Yeah.
0: And uh, the other game, which had quite a lot of focus on it, of course, on Saturday, being live on TV, was third against fourth, woking at home to Chesterfield. Um, woking pretty good um, at home, but Chesterfield just starting to put a decent run together, uh, spurred on by that excellent away win uh, in, in the week. And uh, they got the job done. Um, a few con- moments of controversy about this one. Um First of all, was it a Chesterfield penalty? I, I, I personally think it was. We'll get Joe's opinion or Dickie's if you've seen it in just a moment. Um, it was tucked away by Ollie Banks and that was the only goal of the game. But um, interestingly, um, there was a lovely lobbed finish from P- uh, Porrig uh in the uh, second half, which was disallowed for offside. And in the moment, it kind of looked offside. But when they showed the slow-mission replay, I'm pretty sure that if there was VAR at National League, then uh, uh, Woking would have been awarded that goal and it would have probably ended in a draw, Joe.
1: Yeah, I think they'd be disappointed, obviously, that the goal wasn't given. But I think, on the whole, they can't be too disappointed, given that I think they they didn't really create a lot going forward, I have to be honest, Woking. They had one or two chances. Roan Ince could have done better with a chance in the second half. Um, good cross from the left from Ricky Corbea, which he just couldn't uh, control in the box. But I think on the, the afternoon, or on the lunchtime, should I say, um, I think Chesterfield were the better of the two sides. Um, and although Woking would feel aggrieved grief that they had that goal chalked off, I think Chesterfield were valued for the three points. Was it a penalty? Probably. Um, I think they were pretty adamant on the commentary that it was. Um, and it was certainly a clumsy tackle in the box, um, and certainly if it was against your side, you'd want it to be given, um, and obviously put away nicely by Ollie Banks, who not enough people go down the middle uh, from penalties, um, I feel. The goalie's going to dive one way, so just put it down the middle. Um, and he did, um, and another clean sheet on the road for, for Chesterfield. Um, really, really good win for them.
0: Yeah, and, and, and if you think the title race is is tight, listeners, with Wrexham and Notts County, and it's been swinging... Both ways, as it were. This one's really tight. The battle for third place and of course just one uh playoff uh home game to get to Wembley. Um this one, same number of games played and the same number of points as well, sixty eight. I mean a staggering twenty six points behind the leaders, Wrexham, the pair of them. So they know which battle they're in for, don't they, Dickie? And uh, and for Chesterfield though, um that, that continues a fine run, doesn't it?
2: It does, yeah. Chesterfield are, are five unbeaten now. They're in the in the slightly better form of the two sides. Um So whether that's going to have a bearing, I think when you look through Woking season, you know they, they've been it's been generally good, punctu- I, punctuated by the odd loss here and there. So I don't think you know the fact that I think they've lost two in their last five. I don't think it will knock their confidence too much. It certainly shouldn't do. But as you say about that about that third place, um it is so important um going into the playoffs. It means you you don't have to play in the elimination round, you get a home tie. Um and yeah, it, it's 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 hugely influential or can be. So yeah, both sides will be um fully focused on that.
0: Barnett are in fifth and they won't have totally given up on third place themselves yet. They have a game in hand and they're five points behind Woking and Chesterfield. And Eastleigh, well, they shrugged off that midweek defeat to Notts County and they got the business done again, not in their usual 1-0 style, but with a 3-2 win at home to Altrincham. And, uh, well, I've seen the highlights of this one and perhaps the most notable highlight, Chaps, I don't know if which or or either of you or both of you saw it, but uh, was a rather strange own goal from James Jones.
1: Yeah, a um, bit of a wayward pass from him, trying to pass it back to uh, to Burn in the uh, Ultringham goal and just passed it straight into his net, although it did look like the goalie missed the ball as it came past him. 100%, um, you should
0: have got it. He should have got something on it, yeah.
1: But, um, yeah, um, a good win for Eastleigh. We, we thought we thought in midweek when they went 1-0 up and took that lead into half-time that they'd see the business out again against a team by 1-0. Um, but this was a different win for them. Um, good to see Cairo Mitchell on the score sheet for after his stupid red card against Scunthorpe where he lashed out and got a red card. Um, nice to see him back on the score sheet and, um, you know, a bit of a, a theme for Altringham, Can't defend, really. Um, and, you know, Christian Magoma, um, free header in the box and a yard out. Um, one of the biggest lads on the pitch and he gets a free header. So, um yeah, disappointing for Uchengham, um, who again struggled defensively. But uh, good win for Easey and they're, they're really going well uh, under Bradbury.
0: The last team in the current playoff positions of Boreham would have been on a lovely run of late, haven't they? An awful lot of clean sheets, plenty of wins to boot as well. But it didn't go their way and it didn't go Nathan Ashmore's way either at Damson Park as Solihull continued their recent uh, decent form, with a 2-0 win. And it was all about a little bit of spillage from Mr Ashmore. A routine ball coming across the byline, gathered in almost nonchalantly, spilled straight out again. And there was Mark Beck on hand to tuck it home. And uh, that's an improved showing now from Solihull Moors. And, you know, they'd have been building in confidence, Dickie, won't they? But to to have beaten Boreham Wood without conceding as well. Um, and they, that, that that allows them to just pull... Closer to the playoff positions. They're not quite out of it yet, are they? Uh, they're seven points behind Boreham Wood themselves, and they'll still feel there's enough games left for them to get back in it, Dickie.
2: Yeah, they have got to believe um, that they can get back into it. As they it's they they've had a, a a very challenging season. Um, you know, they've had those the, the, the loss recently of Rev Ryan Byer and Andrew Dallas has uh, has cut them to the bone a little bit as regards their um, you know, squad depth. But I think out of that there's obviously some new partnerships forming there on the field and, and Josh Kelly in particular is somebody who um He did score goals when he first went there, but I think he he wasn't exactly prolific. But I think now that Andrew Dallas has gone, um, Kelly is the main man now up front, you would say, uh, alongside Mark Beck. And yeah, yeah, um, good to see him hitting the target. Solihull will still feel that they have a chance. Um, I think they are, as you say, seven points adrift. So you've got to believe that you can still do it. But I think it's like eight games. So the margins are pretty tight for them.
0: Well, funnily enough, uh, looking at the table and just outside those playoff positions of Wealdstone, who we dropped a hint earlier on, they're winning big, losing big at the minute. Um, they must uh, cause us to reflect on what is probably Scunthorpe United's best win of the season, certainly Jimmy Dean's best win in charge of Scunthorpe. Uh, they they ran out 4-1 winners against Wealdstone on Saturday. A couple of fine finishes from Cameron Wilson, who made the initial England C squad, but not the cut. Um, and Scunthorpe went on to give themselves some faint hopes of uh, of closing the gap on the likes of Dorking, Yeovil, and York above them. Um, a really, really good three points for Jimmy Dean's men there, wasn't it? And uh, as for Wealdstone, well, a big blow to their uh, playoff hopes themselves.
1: Yeah, a really good win for Scunthorpe, um, who you know got a win yesterday, and Cameron Wilson was fantastic got the man of the match, um, perhaps a little bit disappointed. He didn't get into the final 16 for the England seed team, which we perhaps will come on to later. Um, but a really, really good performance from him. For Wealdstone, you know, def- I praise the- I'm praised. i going to call it the curse of Slough now because I praised Slough at the start of the season and I put the curse on them for their struggles. And I put a post up saying how brilliantly Stuart Maynard was doing. And since then, they've hardly got a win or hardly got a point from from them so um yeah disappointing uh, result on the road for them they've they've struggled with the the backlog of games should you say or the the number of games at this point given that they are part time and i think that is a bit of a concern for them um but yeah a good win for scunthorpe it keeps them in with a a sniff of a chance of getting out of it um so yeah really good afternoon
0: so whilst it wasn't a good day for Boreham not too much damage, because below them, Solihull Moors were the only team in the next nine to actually win a game on Saturday. Um, looking at the league table as it was then, there's a nice buffer now, six-point gap between Boreham in seventh and and Wealdstone in eighth. So those four teams, uh, Boreham Wood, Eastleigh, Barnet, and Chesterfield and, and Woking, sorry, between third and seventh, they'll feel very confident in holding on to what they've got now. Uh, next to look at in the table were Southend and uh, well mixed fortunes for them of late of course they had that stay of execution when the the big tax bill was paid on the 1st of April or the day before uh, so they could continue in business and news really breaking on Friday that uh, owner Ron Martin now wants to sell the club and ideally sell the club promptly but uh, not necessarily at the expense of getting the wrong people in. On the pitch, they'd just had a difficult run of games. They'd lost four on the trot, albeit up against the likes of Wrexham and Boreham and Chesterfield. They'll have fancied three points taken on Aldershot Town, uh, struggling down the other end of the table this season. Um, but they um, And they got the lead as well in the first half, admittedly against the run of play. But Reese Murphy, after a fine uh, through ball, um, from Dan Mooney, gave Southend a half-time lead, despite Aldershot spurning a few opportunities, notably through full debutant uh, Jack Barum. However, Aldershot weren't to be deterred, and they came out in the second half and scored twice in seven minutes to get the job done. Uh, Tyler Frost, who's been a revelation since coming in um, a month or two ago, got the first goal set up by Justin Amalouza and then Amalusa himself was taken out by the goalkeeper Steve Arnold uh, and Joe Partington smashed home a penalty and uh, well, I don't know if you chaps have seen it yet, but he most definitely didn't go down the middle, did he? Top bins it was for parts.
1: Yeah, um, Ross McNeely said that he would either have finished in the, uh, in the top corner or probably ended up in the car park beyond the stand. Um but uh, yeah, luckily for Aldershot, it ended up in the back of the net. And uh, yeah, good win on the road for them against the South End side. Who, a bit similar to Wealdstone. Seems like all the games, right at the end of the season, all the efforts that they've had to go through, it seems like they're just having a little bit of burnout. They are. Point. and
0: it's, it's it's amazing to see because we've all waxed lyrical about South End this season. They've got some fine, fine quality players it doesn't matter who you come up against, you know, when you confidence sinks when you're on a bad run. And the four defeats, it was evident in their play. They never dominated at all in that game yesterday. Aldershot created fifteen chances throughout the match. Admittedly, a lot of them weren't on target, but um they were good value for that win. As for South End, um, you know, they've now fallen eight points behind the playoff race, and it's not quite done and dusted, but um as um as the manager Kev Maher has said after the game, don't talk to us about whether we're in the playoff race or not. We just need a win right now. Um, and it's a it's it's a wretched run for Southend, but a magnificent victory for the shots. Let's not underdo that. Four hundred and twenty shots fans there on the annual tour of duty. Uh, Something has been going for I think eleven, twelve years now, where they uh, ramp up the interest of the fans, lay on some extra coaches, try and double the numbers that would usually attend and they did and and for me personally it was a lovely day because I completed six years as the BBC Surrey Sport commentator for Aldershot on Saturday and my brother told me and I'm going to admit my age here but um apparently it was also 50 years five zero years this week since he and I went and saw Aldershot for the first time Back at the recreation ground as it was back then in March 1973. A 1-0 win at home to Doncaster. So uh, lots of uh, anniversary celebrations and three points. And Aldershot fans listening, you'll know that when you get them, when they come along, you've got to big it up, make the most of them uh, and enjoy that. All right. Next up in the National League table come Bromley, who we've already featured. And then Dagenham and Redbridge, for whom Ben Strevens took charge finally for the first time some 10 days or so after he was uh, appointed. Great to see him back in the National League and they had a good start in the game as well. Jay Bird almost gave them the lead, then he did give them the lead um, and it looked as though all three points were going to stay in uh, East London, but it wasn't to be for Strevens on his managerial debut back at uh, Dagenham and Redbridge because uh, Mike fondop Tolom had other ideas and uh, headed home from a corner in the 84th minute To continue Oldham's uh, recent decent form, Um, it keeps them banging mid-table, 15th, 14th, 15th place uh, for them. And I think it's pretty evident now with an 11-point gap to the relegation positions for Oldham um, and a gap of uh, 10 points the other way, that uh, Oldham are going to be gracing us with their presence in the National League again next season. Agreed, chaps?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd say so.
0: Exactly, um, Halifax also were involved in a draw uh, Matty Warburton gave him a lead on the hour mark and they had have been frustrated to concede in the 88th minute but never underestimate a point on the road and that's exactly what uh, Mark Cooper would have been thinking as Malachi Linton uh, levelled for Yeovil in the 88th minute We'll take a look at the table in just a minute but Joe, when the points and the places are finalised at the end of the season that could prove to be a, a vital equaliser from Linton
1: yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think Mark Cooper was pleased. He wasn't pleased that they didn't get a penalty in the first half, but he was pleased that they got something from the game. Um, Mal- Malachi Linton on the score sheet, many have been saying that they perhaps need to get freshen up the forward line. And yet the one person who's been out of the side is actually their top scorer in Linton with five goals. Um, Matty Warburton was always going to score against Yeovil, his former side. Um, and uh, yeah, a good point on the road for Yeovil, who they have a lot of injuries. They picked up more yesterday. Edwin Agbaji went off with a very nasty-looking injury on a stretcher, so he's out. You would assume for the rest of the season, um, which didn't go on, didn't go punished by the uh, the referee at Halifax, which Mark Cooper was furious about. But um, a good point on the road when it looked like they were going to get none
0: especially as other teams around them couldn't find uh, the way to win on Saturday. Uh, Maidenhead had another decent week, really, four points out of six. Aqua, uh, with uh, a goal against Aldershot in midweek and another uh, brace against Maidstone. Uh, his two first-half goals ensured that, uh, uh, that Maidenhead got another three points and, and they're another team now, 47 points. Uh, you know 13 points clear of the drop well done Alan Devonshire on on pretty much securing Maidenhead's place in the National League again this week Uh, and funnily enough the other thing notable about that game was that Maidstone got back into it in the 76th minute the goal coming from Regan Booty um, and I think and, and Joe you're going to correct me if I'm wrong but I think both Booty and Aqua are going to be at the England Sea Camp aren't they?
1: Yeah, I was just going to add that, actually, saying that all the England Sea boys were on target in that one. Uh, both of them, obviously, getting ready to uh, to play in the game on Tuesday night. Leaves us two
0: other games to look at. They're both involved sides down at the lower end of the National League. Uh, a little bit like the three points for a shot. It was a good day for York City, who got the job done against uh, Mark White's Dorking Wanderers. White ended up the game in the stand or in the private area, private members area, I think it was, um, having uh, disagreed with some of the officiating. But Manny Duku put York ahead in the seventh minute. Ryan Fallafield got his second goal. And uh, although there was a late salvo, Dan Gallagher pulling one back with four minutes to go. York came away pointless. uh, And there's no doubt with York uh, pulling uh, some five points ahead of Dorkin, uh, which way the honours went in that one.
1: Yeah, uh, Mark White played the mind games going into the game, said it was a game that his team didn't need to win. So he'll be happy after the weekend because they didn't win. Um, and uh, a really good win for Morton's men there from York. Um, gives them a little bit of daylight and uh, they'll be really, really pleased to to get that one and hold off a little bit of a late fight back from, from Dorking. It leaves one game,
0: Joe. The floor will be cleared for you to talk to us about Gateshead and Torquay. Gateshead are probably the team in the bottom four that everybody's looking at most to see what they do. And it's because of their FA Trophy run. They've got two or three games in hand on most sides. And they've also, you know, the best placed of those four sides. So the five or six teams above them looking over their shoulder will have probably been quite pleased that Gateshead and Torquay ended up drawing, didn't they, Joe? Tell us about it.
1: Yeah, well, it was a, a game going into it that I build as a must win. Um, because I think it was a must-win. And unfortunately, although we managed to get a point on the road, which Gary Johnson said he was pleased with, um, it was another game in which we once again lacked the cutting edge in the final third um, and couldn't come away with a win. Um, Gateshead did well. They weathered the storm in the early stages and they managed to get ahead. Camille Conter, who got a call-up to his national team with Sierra Leone in the week, He set up Marcus Denanga, who signed recently from Altrincham, who smashed the ball past Mark Halstead from the edge of the area. Kieran Evans got us back on the score sheet, um, and he has been bright recently um, to get us back on level terms. As if it couldn't get any worse for Torquay, Mark Halstead was taken off in the second half with injury, uh, which meant Reese Lovett had to come on for the final half an hour, although he did make a very good save at the end to ensure that we had a point. Um, Excuse me, Rob, but I have this this the first time that I've actually come into a pod with notes prepared for this one. So Gary Johnson, in his interview, came out fighting. He said, I never lie. I always tell the facts. Um, And the facts are we got a point. So I'm going to give him some facts here. We're 23rd in the league now. We've only won seven games. We've only conceded... We've only four teams in the league have conceded more than us. Only three teams have scored less than us. We've still got to play Chesterfield, Wrexham, Eastleigh and Borehamwood. We've not beaten any of the bottom seven this year. And out of the bottom half, we've only beaten two teams this year. Two teams. And we need to finish at least six better than Dorking if we're going to get out of it. The teams that we've got left this season, we've already played them so far. And in those games, we only picked up four points. So given that we need to at least get 10, we need to better our goal, our points return against those teams to to even give ourselves a chance of staying in the league. Um, So those are my facts for Gary Johnson, if on the off chance he's listening, um, which I know he won't be. But uh, yeah, it's pretty much down and out now for Torquay. I know I've I've tried to be positive, as positive I can be, but um, unfortunately, when the game we needed to win, we didn't. And that's probably it for our National League season.
0: The noose is around the neck, Gulls fans. Uh, Joe has pretty much uh, declared that uh, life in the National League is over for you. All all I should really do is say, uh, Joe, any last requests?
1: (laughs) No, um, other than hopefully within the next eight week or eight games, uh, the distant owner that seems to have gone under a rock surfaces to uh, give us a bit of an update as to uh, what on earth's going on for next season ahead of the National League South.
0: Yeah, I mean it's not quite over, is it? As you mentioned, one of the little positives the girls fans will cling to is that uh, you know if you pick a team, and the team most likely you would pick, you did pick, is Dorking, that over the remaining uh, what is it, nine games that you've both got. You've got to pick up six uh, or, you or know, six or seven points more than them, depending on uh, on goal difference. And 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 when you look at it like that and you break it down like that, there's still chances there's enough games left. We shall have to see how it all pans out over the coming weeks. Uh all I can uh, all I can say as uh, an Aldershot fan is I feel uh a lot lot closer to safety after that win at South End on Saturday. And I'm not saying that to rub it in because it literally goes week to week, doesn't it? You get three points, you think you're going to be all right. And then all of a sudden you go, as Aldershot just did, six games without a win before yesterday. And you start to think, oh, no, I wonder. I wonder if I mentioned finally that all those clubs are are, are looking at Gateshead in particular. And I'll be looking at them uh, in less than a week's time because they'll be coming to the EBB next Saturday. So that pretty much wraps it up for the National League itself but just a quick focus in um with Joe and Dickie on the England Sea camp that's getting together right now for the game against Wales um we'll all be there I'm really delighted to say Luke Dickie uh Joe and myself will all be there on uh, Tuesday night to uh, to cover that one and we'll we'll have our own podcast Luke will hopefully be attending training uh, on the day or possibly the day before the game as well to try and get a few viewpoints. But um, I don't know what we can say, Joe. One or two players have been pulled out or have pulled out, haven't they? It was inevitable, I guess. But uh, what are you hearing?
1: Yeah, well, obviously, uh, one club in the National League confirms that one of the players that missed out on the cut is back in and will be in the 16 in Ollie Dyson, midfielder. Um, So, great news for him that he is back in the team. I would imagine uh, that Magnus Norman will also be pulling out um, because he missed the game for Oldham yesterday. Hudson was in goal for them. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if Aaron Jarvis is back in the 16. Um, Rumours yesterday that apparently he travelled up to Gateshead by himself, um, away from the Torquay United squad um to which many fans thought, why is he why is he travelled up by himself? So I would imagine it's because he's diverting to Altrincham on the way back down. Um so yeah, it looks like there's a couple of changes. Um obviously we saw the twenty five man squad. Um and even though there will be a couple of changes, it's obviously something that we're still looking forward to on Tuesday night. And Dickie I was right, was I you you're you're gonna be there with us on Tuesday?
2: Yeah, certainly am. I'm um, looking forward to it. Um, uh, what kind of? It's funny. I was only thinking. To, I don't know. Um, you know the, the the squad that Wales have put out. That that's going to be interesting too. You know, just the, the 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 comparison between the two. I know England are um, smarting after what happened last year, and I think that the Welsh team very much viewed it as a, an opportunity to. Um, make some kind of a statement about the strength of the the division uh, compared to the National League. So, uh, yeah, I know England um, and certainly Paul Fairclough and Mick Payne are very keen um, to to try and redress that balance.
0: Absolutely. Well, Mark Jones has picked a 20-man squad for the game, which includes six new caps for Wales. And I think we've got an interesting scenario here because Paul Fairclough always says it's not about the result. I want the right kind of togetherness and performance and everything. But I think after that 4-0 drubbing um, up in Carnarvon last year, England really need to respond. And, uh, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see any players in particular that you're looking forward to seeing, Dickie. I mean, I must admit I am or I was looking forward to seeing Macaulay Langstaff, depending on what you hear and what you believe. He might not be there now.
2: Yeah, if he wasn't to be there, that would be disappointing. I think you know he's the the number of goals he's amassed this season. Um, you know he's going to be he's on the radar of goodness knows how many clubs already. You know it's not that he needs the platform of England C to sort of showcase his talents, but it would be an opportunity for you know I'm expecting there will be a lot of scouts there, so I'm expecting um, you know. It's a, it's a, it is a good opportunity for, for somebody to put themselves in the shop window or to, you know, um, um, make a, a case for a, a move up the divisions.
0: OK, now we're going to have a look at the National League South. And Joe, you'll be a little bit more prepared for this than I am. So where are we going to start when we come to the National League South? We normally start with Ebsfleet. Is that where we're going?
1: Yeah, let's start with Ebsfleet. Um, Dulwich Hamlet on a good little run. Um, I say good little run. They've only had a couple of games under new manager Hacking hey Rettin. Um They responded well yesterday after going a goal behind against Ebsfleet. Joe Felix, former talkie man, he scored uh, to level the scoring. But... Any relations to Yao? Well, um, <laughs> the uh, Ebsfleet responded within two minutes to get back in front. And from there, it was one-way traffic.
0: And it was, oh, a
1: one. it was a one-man show as well, wasn't it? Yeah, one-man show. Um, how good he's been this season, Dominic Polian. Another four goals for him. Um, and, yeah, they managed to see out the job fairly well. Uh, Krasnicki got sent off with 12 minutes to play for Dulwich Hamlet. And a minute later, Dominic Polian added his fourth. Um, and it looks like Ebsfleet uh, are now just playing for playing for time really for the title um, and I did see that they could actually set a National League self-title record if they get 16 more points from their seven remaining games um, and the way that they're playing you wouldn't put it past them to set the record either.
0: It wouldn't no they're on 88 points now and uh, look probably set fair to get at least 100 this season. Uh, I say just behind them but two games in hand behind them and uh, a staggering now, 18 points at Dartford, who would have been frustrated on Saturday. They didn't get to play at all. They were due to play at uh, Concord Rangers, who would have been equally frustrated that the pitch was waterlogged because it leaves them rooted to the bottom of the National League South following uh, Saturday's games. So we'll next look at uh, Oxford City, who are in third place, and have got a little two-point buffer for that uh, one home promotion playoff place. Um, how did they get on on Saturday then, Joe?
1: Yeah, um, a win for them. And if you'd have missed the first couple of minutes, if you were late into Oxford City, then you'd have missed all the action. Goal on two minutes from Yoval Loney, Will Dawes. Um, he scored the only goal of the game. And uh, yeah, they're doing really well under Ross Jenkins. Another win um, against a Chessence side who are competitive, but just lacking that little bit of quality um, to uh, to lose their... Um, But, yeah, another really good win for Oxford City.
0: Now, Chelmsford, we've all been preparing to write them off, haven't we, as they stumbled and stuttered and 1-0 wins started to turn into 1-0 defeats and then the skipper Winfield was red-carded and missed a few games and we thought, you know what, they might just slip away. They lost Henry Occiang, of course, who stepped up to the National League with all shot and they've lost one or two other part-timers who joined the full-time game. But, hey-ho, they now sit fourth. Uh, and they beat the seventh place side Worthing, who've uh, you know had lots of admirers this season, and that was a cracker, a six goal thriller with Chelmsford coming out on top, Joe.
1: Yeah, Worthing a good side but defensively poor, and that once again showed on Saturday afternoon. Um, we haven't done a pod title this week so far in the group chat, but it's certainly the tale of to the te- the tale of the two Uh Easy for me to say on Saturday. Krasnicki was sent off for Dulwich and the Krasnicki for Chelmsford ended up being the match winner for them from the penalty spot. Twice they recovered from a goal down Chelmsford. Uh, Ollie Pearce giving, giving worth in the league twice uh, before Trotter and Falevi got them back on level terms. Chelmsford got a penalty of eight minutes left and Krasnicki stepped up. To smash at home and then hockey rounded off the scoring for Chelmsford. And uh, yeah, really good win for them against uh, a team that they're sort of bustling against to try and get into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, just behind Chelmsford are Braintree. We'll come to their game in a minute when we look at the bottom end of the National League South. And then comes Haven and, Lu- Hav- and Waterlooville, who uh, w- played one of the other teams that quite fancy an outside chance of uh, making the playoffs, and that's Tunbridge Angels. And that one ended up all square, uh, a fairly late equaliser, wasn't it, for haven
1: Yeah, and it was that man again, Mo Fowle, former Enfield striker, has really been good for them this year. And he got another goal from the penalty spot to earn them a draw at home. Uh, Tom Bridge obviously would have been looking for three points there to consolidate their chances in and around the playoffs, but not to be. But a good point on the road, perhaps, for them. And a haven't side who are certainly now just playing for a playoff spot.
0: Two sides still with hopes of playoffs uh, were St Albans and Bath in ninth and 10th place and they met on Saturday uh, at uh, Twerton Park. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, Twerton Park. I I, I, I only hesitate because I haven't actually ever been there but I thought it was called Twerton Park. But uh, St Albans came out on top in that one. Eventually, anyway, they sealed the deal in added time with a third goal to make it 3-1. And that means that... uh, St Albans are now on goal difference above Bath, but they do have two games in hand as well. And I think of those sides, Joe, outside of the playoffs, St Albans can probably construct the best argument to get back in them, can't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, they've got a player in Sean Jeffers who just keeps scoring. However, he didn't actually score at the weekend. I had to refresh the scores when I saw that he hadn't scored This weekend. Um, But yeah, you know, with the firepower that they've got and they've been in around the playoffs for the last couple of years, if they are going to make a late run, um, then you'd have to say they'll be in with a chance. The one thing I would add on that game for Bath, a really good point this weekend to see Alex Fletcher back out on the grass for Bath City after all of his um, complications, obviously, with um, his medical Miss out with the hoardings, um, so really, really positive signs for, for Bath, uh, for them, even despite the defeat.
0: Yeah, then comes Eastbourne, they've played 39 games, probably the biggest reason why they might just be drifting, um, a little bit uh, away from those players, but they are only a couple of points outside of them. Uh, they beat Slough Town 2 0, so a decent result for them, and the evergreen Charlie Walker on the score sheet for them, and uh, behind them, Farnborough who, uh, you know, with the games in hand that they've got, will still feel they've got an outside chance. But uh, they came unstuck at home to uh, Chippenham Town
1: on uh, Saturday. And who finally scored for Chippenham, Joe? Matt McClure. um, Had to be from the penalty spot, but back on the score sheet. um, First goal for Chippenham, I believe. And, um, you know, that's a good win on the road for them uh, against a good Farnborough side that had been in a good run of form. Um, and, uh, you know, especially a clean sheet. Not many teams managed to keep Farnborough to a clean sheet. Um, and obviously a good win for Eastbourne, you were saying. A uh, 2-0 win for them against Slough. Um, I saw Scott Davis's comments online, and he said that he was really, really impressed by Eastbourne, said that they're a really good side, which obviously we know they are under Danny Blur. Um, and a good win for them as well.
0: Yeah, so... Uh... We then come to the middle and the, uh, the lower reaches of the table. And I just want to put a word in before we go anywhere else for Hampton and Richmond Borough, who it's almost like they've started another season in the last month, isn't it? You know, there were serious, serious uh, doubts about their ability to stay in the league. They're in massive danger, teetering above the, the relegation positions. But after Saturday's games, they're now eight points clear of the drop zone. And it was another good win, a 3-0 win away from home at Dover.
1: Yeah, really good win for them. Uh, skipper Jake Gray scoring two goals for them before David Fisher scored in the final minute to round up the uh, the win for them. Uh, under a manager, Mel Gwinnett, um, who has gone there and started really well at Hampton and Richmond. Um, so they'll be really, really pleased with a win on the road.
0: Uh, so looking at the bottom end then uh, of the National League South, Concord frustratingly without a game and particularly so because they've only played 33 games now this season. So uh, if you're in and around that relegation, bottom four of the National League South, you're going to have to always calculate some sort of points per game total for, for for Concord going forward. They've done all right, of course, of late. They've picked results up here and there, but they're slipping behind for the sheer number of games they've missed and they haven't played. Weymouth, a second bottom um, with 35 points, but more importantly for them, just two points behind Taunton now, who are in a... Uh, Position just outside the bottom four, and that's because they got the job done uh, against Welling, which also stops Welling from pulling away, doesn't it, Joe?
1: Yeah, um, two big results down there uh, at the bottom of the table. Um, I haven't done the calculations on it, but Ash Bradley, Ash and, and Akeem Rose were on the score sheet again yesterday for Weymouth. I think if you took out all of their goals, they must be bottom. You know, every single week, it's either one of those two or both of them that gets on the score sheet. Um, really good win for them against Welling, who, you know, I think Warren Feeney's probably got to go. You know, I've said that for weeks now and he still doesn't go. Um, but, you know, they just can't seem to get anything going. Um, Adi Aziz on the score sheet yesterday, pulling a goal back. or uh, well, Sorry, levelling the, the the contest. Um Obviously, Caserati got sent off uh, earlier in the second in the first half. Um, so, another disappointing result for them. As for Taunton, once the side that no one wanted to play at Taunton because Taunton was so good at home and now they've lost another game at home, probably about six or seven in a row now. Incredible,
0: incredible run, isn't in it? Lost.
1: Um, so, their home hoodoo has well and truly set in. Um, two goals in the first half for Hemel Hempstead uh, Hughes I believe it was the one that was at Wealdstone uh, back along he's a really good player um, and Williams getting the second before they pulled a goal back in the second half Taunton through Morgan um, but just wasn't to be and uh, yes they've got four games in hand but they've got to try and win a game that's the problem exactly that that leaves us one
0: game and uh, we've saved the best result until last I think you've got to take your hats off to Hungerford Town who are uh, Um, Right down there in the relegation positions, but not too far adrift at all. And particularly so, Joe, after they beat Braintree Town, one of the uh, playoff teams, uh, playoff chasing teams. It's what I call
1: the silly season, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And a really good win. Um, After their battering at Slough, uh, Danny Robinson would have wanted them to uh, bounce back. And uh, this is a really good result uh, against a Braintree side who they've been strong at home. Haven't been as strong away, but still strong um, as they go high in the playoffs. But a uh, really good win for Hungerford and a really good day for Jones at the back. Remember, couple of weeks ago, he scored two own goals against Slough as they lost 4-0. Well, he got them back on level terms yesterday, uh, scoring uh, before Boachi got the winner for Hungerford. And, you know, we went back sort of a month and two months ago and we all said, well, Hungerford are down, surely. Hungerford are down. Well, they're now only two points from getting themselves out of trouble. And, uh, yeah, you know, with Welling on free fall, um, you wouldn't put it past Hungerford to make a little run and uh, keep themselves up
0: good stuff that's the National League South Action at the weekend Uh, and uh, now we'll move on to the Pierce de résistance of the National League uh, North and that is Dickie Wharton Dickie um, we did break habit of a lifetime the other week by letting Telford go uh, first we won't do that today for obvious reasons but We'll look at the top end, um, and well, I don't know if Saturday's results told us too much, did they? Really, not in that title race between the the two teams, Filed and Kings Lynn, who it looks like it's down to them.
2: Yes, it does. Um, the the two actually come into opposition on Tuesday evening at Kings Lynn, which is is a huge game um, in the National League North. I think the gap at the moment at the top of the table, Filed, have a two point lead, but also have two games in hand. Um, which, you know, you'd think, given the form they're in, um, that Fould would be quite capable of winning both of those games in hand and they'd have an eight-point cushion. So it really is imperative that Kingsley can take something off them. They matched one another yesterday um, in terms of results in that they both got victories, uh, Foiled. Had a one 0 win away at Alfreton. That's never an easy uh, place to go and get anything. And they had a goal from a debutant as well, uh, a name that people might be familiar to people, Nathan Delfonso, He's joined them on uh, a, a deal for the rest of the season. Um, I think he started his career with Aston Villa. He's been uh, spent time with Blackpool. He, uh, he's uh, joined them on Friday and obviously marked his debut with a goal. Kingsley, and They had a, a fairly routine 3-0 uh, victory at home over Spennymoor Town. Adam Crowther have got them underway with the goal in the ninth minute and then there were goals um, fairly late in the game, 72nd and 89th minute from Jordan, Ponticelli and Gold on Matteo, respectively. So, uh, yeah, Kingsland, uh shaping up for that one nicely, but likewise so are filed. So, yeah, all eyes on the walks on Tuesday.
0: Yeah, should be a, a, a cracker, that one, and not too far from me, um, but uh, I... I, I uh... Have other plans on on Tuesday, as as we all do, Dicky. But uh, were it not for the England Sea game, I might well have headed down to uh, the walks on Tuesday evening to see that one. So we'll get a little wrap up and a roundup of that one next weekend. Uh, below them, Chester, who probably because they were sort of uh, six, seven points behind, and they played uh, two, a couple, two or three more games, something than than five. They were probably not seriously being considered as still in the title race and, and that's definitely the case uh, after saturday when they uh, when they were held to all by scarborough who've got their own playoff ambitions of course as well
2: yeah chester have hit a bump in the road in the last two games actually they they lost at home in midweek to peterborough sports by uh, a single goal to nil so that was a disappointment to them um and then um only getting a point from a game against scarborough yesterday Uh, You know, Scarborough are good opposition. Absolutely. Um, But, you know, given the position that they're in, I think Chester will be looking to make the most of their home form. They're getting in good crowds in at the Diva this, this season. Um, And and the boost that getting maximum points from those two games would have given them would have been massive. Um, Yeah, two all draw yesterday. Kurt Willoughby put them into the lead. Kieran Willegi equalised in the 76th minute. It looked like Chester were going to get all three points when Charlie Caton, who's on loan to them from Shrewsbury Town, scored in the 87th minute. But then in the third minute of injury time, William Wells, um, I I presume he's Will Wells. uh, Yeah, well, he left Chester feeling not too well with his equaliser and Scarborough left with a point from a 2-2 draw.
0: It would be an of Dickie not to get a pun in when he can. Uh, One of the things I did notice is that uh, the top eight were all unbeaten on Saturday. The other teams in the playoff positions, uh, well, they all picked up at least a point, of course, uh, Brackley, Darlington and Chorley will look at next. And two of those three got the three points in the bag, didn't they, Dick?
2: Uh, yes, they did. Um, Chorley had a one-nil a, a win over Banbury. Uh, that was a goal in the 52nd minute from Scott Wilson that was responsible for giving them the points. And Chorley needed that a little bit. They've had they've had one or two um, results which have been a little bit underwhelming lately. Darlington, similar for them, but they seem to get back on track with a three-nil win over Hereford, goals from Jarrett Rivers in the first half. Andy Nelson getting a goal in the 64th minute. He's come back from a real long-term injury. I think he scored twice last weekend. Uh, Jacob Hazel getting the third in the 89th minute. Darlington, they were lamenting the loss of of Mark Beck, which re- was a blow to them. But, you know, in, when you've got a player with Nelson's of Nelson's calibre to come in and potentially take his place, it's maybe not as, as bad as... Um, as you would think the Darlington fans in losing Mark Beck, you know, clearly they would have wanted to keep him, but having Andy Nelson come back is like having a new player. Um, Brackley, they didn't get maximum points and they almost uh, went to defeat as well. They were at home to Blythe Spartans, Blythe, are in a a decent run of form and picking up points, but you would have thought that that was a a Brackley win on the cards, but it took a, well, it wasn't even a penalty. Um, uh, Blythe led through Nikki Devodic, uh, his goal in the 18th minute, and then in the fifth minute of injury time at the end of full time, uh, Brackley were awarded a penalty. Uh, Toby Leaves from Blythe was dismissed, presumably for his part in that penalty. The penalty was taken by Levi Amanchi, who is a former Blythe player. It was saved by Alex Mitchell, came back to Amanchi. He put in the rebound and it was a point. But the margins were that close for Brackley yesterday. They they almost uh, they saw Blythe leaving with all three.
0: And if you flip that round and look at it from the other point of view, Blythe were within seconds, Dickie, of being just two points from safety, weren't they? And that late draw will have felt like defeat for them.
2: Yeah, I mean, that. If, if Blythe had picked up two extra points yesterday, that would have taken them to 40 points, which would have put them one point ahead of Farsley rather than one point behind um, and within two points of Leamington, who are the team um, in the last, safe space in the division in 20th, so they're on 42 points. So, yeah, it is a blow for Blythe and, you know, it must be especially um, galling to see it come from a former player as well, particularly when Alex Mitchell, your goalkeeper, has saved the initial penalty. But, you know, these twists and turns happen in football all the time, don't we? But, uh, yeah, uh, Blythe on the wrong end of one yesterday and Brackley profiting from it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking, flipping our interest to the other end then uh, Telford, of course, the strongest team in the National League North. They've been holding up the rest for a little longer than Dickie would care for, really. But uh, it was to be a home defeat. But looked a better game, Dickie. Tell us the story of it. AFC Telford 2, Curzon Ashton 3.
2: Yeah, I mean, for a neutral, I, I got a bit of stick yesterday on Twitter because I did describe it um, in my role as a as Telford's Twitter person as an entertaining game. Um, and I think given um, the, the way the fans are feeling at the moment, they, they didn't pay kindly to me saying that. As a neutral, if you were at that game, I think you would have found it an entertaining game. There were mistakes made by both sides, but, you know, that is going to happen. Um and yeah, Telford went into a twenty fourth minute lead, fairly even up to that point. Montel Gibson put them ahead with a nice far post finish from a Kai Williams cross. Um and Kevin Wilkin has been saying of Telford for for some time now that they, they don't get their noses in front in games and gives them the chuffs, give themselves the chance to manage the game. Um well, they did that yesterday and then within the space of
0: ten minutes, yeah. five,
2: ten minutes, five minutes, it all completely turned on its head. Jimmy Spencer with a really good finish in the 28th minute drew uh, Curzon level. George Waring, who is a striker by trade, but he was playing as part of a, a defensive unit. He got up to head in a free kick really powerfully in the 30th minute. And by the 33rd minute, Tom Piers, a former Telford player, He'd been set up by Spencer. His initial shot blocked on the line, um, but he finished the rebound high into the net. All of a sudden, Telford a 3-1 behind. It could have got worse. Um, keeper Joe Young saved from Piers again. Hayden Campbell drifted one just over the angle of the post and the bar a few minutes later, and it literally could have been... Telford could have been 5-1 down at halftime. Um, 3-1 it was. They got a goal back in the 70th minute. It was a better... Second half performance, uh, yeah, the man on target there, Prince Polo. They just couldn't quite um, force the issue at the end, and, and then they lost Harry Flowers to an 83rd minute red card. A rush of blood from him taking Piers out on the touchline um, with an, an over aggressive challenge. And then down to 10 men, it, it just gave Curzon the opportunity to manage the game out, which they did.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm sure there's a pun there somewhere, isn't there, with flowers going off on Mother's Day, did you know? Well,
2: you I can't remember. <laughs> yes, I mean, I got, I got a message from Luke in the WhatsApp group last night saying, you know, the, 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 the gift of flowers yesterday and the gift he he wasn't a Mother's Day card, it was a, a Mother's Day red card uh with flowers. But uh yeah, only a tackle a mother could love from uh from the Telford centre half. Yes, and he's he's looking at a lengthy suspension now. He he had to miss the first game of the season because of a suspension carried over from his time with Curzon Ashton last season. He's had two red cards this season, plus has missed a game for five yellows as well. So um the disappointing thing is when he, when his mind is on his game, he can be a really good centre-half at this level. But this Achilles heel of his, his disciplinary record, um, it is really hurting him and his club at the moment.
0: Yeah, and there wasn't really any great hope for any of the teams in the bottom four on Saturday of uh, getting themselves up to safety because nobody, in fact, nobody in the bottom seven teams won at all, did they? We've just talked about uh, Bradford Park Avenue, Uh, Sorry, no, we haven't. We're just going to talk about Bradford Park Avenue, who went down narrowly at Boston, who did their own uh, chances of uh, being in the National League North again next season. Uh, A big favour, didn't they?
2: Yeah, Boston have started to find some form lately and they're up to 45 points now. So I wouldn't say exactly say they're powering away from the bottom, but they're giving themselves a chance. It was a 1-0 a, a victory over Bradford yesterday. Um, the goal came from Ben Pollock. Um, they lost Scott Pollock recently. He went to Yeovil Town. They had a, a pair of, um, well, they had a Ben and a Scott. Um, uh, <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, he scored the winner in the 51st minute and then uh, they did lose Tom Nixon to a second yellow card with four minutes left on the clock. But yeah, Bradford couldn't do anything in the time that was remaining. Uh, And um, it's not comfortable. 1-0 is never a comfortable win, but it it was enough for Boston yesterday uh, and they climbed the table. Um, There was a defeat for Farsley Celtic. They went down to a 2-0 defeat to Buxton. Buxton in tremendous form. I think that's something like 12 games unbeaten now. Uh, Craig Elliott picking up National League North Manager of the Month for the fabulous February that they had. Uh, Jack McCourt got them into the lead in the second minute of first-half injury time. And then Diego Girolamo, a man who's uh, been uh, reborn under under Craig Elliott, he scored in the 86th minute to make the game safe.
0: Good stuff. That leaves us three games and uh, two of them ended in draws. Southport and Kettering, both lower mid-table. Kettering not quite safe, of course, themselves yet. They drew nil-nil. I don't know if there's any points of interest from that game, Dickie, were there?
2: Um, I don't think so, no. And I know there's been a slight blow to Kettering this morning and that Frankie Maguire, a player they've had on loan, has been recalled by his parent club. So that is a bit of a, a blow for Kettering. And it's the it's the loan deadline this Thursday, the 23rd of March as well. So the only signings allowed after Thursday um, would be potentially a goalkeeper if a club, um, you know, they could do it on an emergency loan with special dispensation from the league. But beyond Thursday... The hand you've got is the hand you've, you know, you've got to use. Um, So, yeah, he's been recalled and that that is a bit of a blow for Kettering because it only gives a few days to go into the market and get somebody else to replace him. Um, There was a draw between Gloucester City and Kidderminster. Shane Byrne had Kidderminster. Uh, in the lead in that game of the goal fairly early on in the eighth minute and Gloucester equalized in the second minute of second half injury time um, I have to admit I'm always baffled somewhat by the, the Gloucester goal scorer here he scored a few goals on flash goals which I'm looking at the moment his name just comes through as taupe that is literally it nothing else I'm sure there's more to it than that um, so yeah, that that was one of the other uh the draws. And just looking through which was the one that I've missed. It's one other game, I've got it, I'm on, I'm I'm here, I've already I want to big them up and congratulate
0: them on almost certainly all by mathematically staying in the National League North after their first season in it, and that's Peterborough Sports, who have been through the blow of losing Jimmy Dean, they've been through the blow of their owner saying uh, he wants uh, you know someone else to come in and invest in the club. Um, and, uh, well, they put Leamington to the sword on Saturday, Dickie didn't they? A Leamington side that are only three points clear of the drop zone themselves.
2: They did. Le- Leamington have, have been picking up form lately and picking up some points, particularly on the road. So they, they might have fancied their chances in this one. And Peterborough had been slipping towards the lower reaches of the table until recently. But, you know, it's been a big week for them. A win away at Chester followed up with three points at home yesterday. Ryan Frye got them um, into the lead with the first goal. Jordan Crawford, he's on loan to them from Boston for the rest of the season. He got the second and the 61st minute. And then Isaiah Baisley made it safe in the 73rd minute. Um, I'll have my eye on Leamington's result uh, uh, on Tuesday night. They're away at Spennymore Town. Um, a win for Leamington against Spennymore on Tuesday, um, what I think put Telford 20 points behind the team in 20th position then, which means technically then if Telford were to not pick up a maximum points away at Banbury next week, they would be mathematically relegated. So that would be the first relegation in the whole of the National League this season.
0: And no great delight in that, I'm sure, but um, it it may sound like a daft or maybe even an obvious question, Dickie, but the the noose has been around your neck so long. Would it almost be a relief to just get it done, get it out of the way and then you really are into planning for next season?
2: I think possibly. I think in terms, certainly, I mean, I'm not making a plea for myself here, but talking about the position that their club are in, week after week and writing match reports for the local newspaper on a Saturday evening, week after week when it's the same position and the same kind of things that are costing you games is really difficult. And of course we we are, we have been in that position recently where everybody knows it's pretty much hopeless, but it's not mathematically certain. So everybody's kind of like talking in code and in rhyme and, whatever at the moment about it, it would bring some certainty. Um, I think the one thing that Telford fans are looking for is some certainty that Kevin Wilkin is going to remain as manager next season. He did sign an 18-month contract. There is always this fear that, you know, because of Kevin Wilkin having a a, a very good reputation within the game, that he wouldn't necessarily want to manage it, step three. Um, but he has made some encouraging noises in the local press this week to suggest, well... If it's merely a case of being asked, then all Telford need to do is ask and, yeah, he'll be there. So that is a very, very positive sign um, for them. But, yeah, it's going to be a big rebuild in the summer.
0: Certainly is, Dickie. Interesting we had a little bit of discussion about the way the England C squad was picked and uh, just the one player picked from uh, outside of the top division. Um, as we come into this uh, international week for England. See, of course, there are five games in the National League North on on uh, Tuesday and four in the National League South. And most notably, of course, that one we've already uh, teased, haven't we? Uh, Kings Lynn against uh, AFC Fylde. Um So uh, no game for Telford, though, Dickie, which means that we can indeed have our first meet-up of all four of us in the same place at the same time and have a bit of fun on Tuesday.
2: Yes, it will be nice to go to a game without... Feeling that there's like too much resting on it, and you know, as much as I am an Englishman, I'm going there as a as a neutral, um, just to uh, enjoy the game, um, and you know, see who we can see there, and 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 look at the talent, aren't you?
0: Yeah, we will look forward to that, and uh, listen out probably latter part of midweek, listeners for for that England Sea related podcast, and uh, then we'll be back, of course, again next weekend. Thank you very much for joining us, for listening again. Thanks to Joe, who's had to leave us. Thanks to Luke, who will be editing this. And most of all, Vicky, thanks very much to you as well.
2: You're very welcome, Rob.
0: Good stuff. Don't forget to give us uh, uh, a subscription on whatever your podcasting platform is so that this podcast is delivered straight to you in future. See you next time.